sucks for you. Everybody knows crazy can be sexy. So you think you're crazy? Relax. It's a figure of speech. Can I ask for your name? Now, what does he call me? Mr. Robot. <laughs> Seriously? He still calls me that. Talk about labels. Hello, friend. Everybody, this is Margaret, and I'm here with Henry. Hey, Henry. Hey, Margaret. How are you? Oh, great. There's nothing I want to undo about this episode of Mr. Robot. Well, one, it was it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. And it kind of confirmed my hunch that this season is going to be relatively fast moving, and a lot of the threads that were kind of created in season two are going to find resolution uh, quickly in season three, and storyline will proceed pretty quickly. If the previous episode was sort of setting up the pieces undo.gz certainly had things set in full motion and it was so great to connect with some familiar faces this episode was written and directed by sam esmael the show creator the title undo is obviously a common computer command to undo something that you've done and then the .gz in the title is for a type of Unix operating system file. It's a file extension for compressed files. So Elliot has a whole huge repository of compressed files that Elliot needs to undo, I guess. Yeah, it kind of took me down uh, memory lane a bit in thinking about compression algorithms and thinking about a time where I used to use compression algorithms and other people used to use them too because hard drive space was so scarce. It's easy to forget when, you know, one, two, three, four terabyte drives are available under 200 bucks. But when I used to work in a computer store, a 540 megabyte hard drive was over $1,000. So compression tools were often used. Also very influential in early BBS scenes and online stuff because we didn't have the, the broadband technologies that we had to Day, so you really had to compress things down. Yes, and everyone uh, who's listening probably knows BBS stands for bulletin board or a message board, which are still incredibly popular to this day. So many businesses are built on top of that essential functionality like Reddit. Yeah, and you know, the dark web is kind of a throwback to the days of the BBS system in certain ways where you didn't have, you had to kind of know the phone number to dial uh, in the way that you had to know uh, the particular address on the dark web to go to. And because you had to uh, obfuscate uh, your traffic uh, with a dark web, the throughput's a lot slower. So it's more like the dial-up days in terms of experience and also the need to compress things. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is a good time for us to talk about the whole idea of undoing. It really spoke to me. It really resonated to me, the idea of what if, what if you could just undo some terrible things or terrible messes that you've made. Of course, none of it really involved destroying the world economy, but that's what Elliot feels that he's contending with. What did you think of that? Yeah. And it kind of teases out this, uh, conception of what undoing really means like do you mean undo as in turn things back exactly as they were before kind of like a groundhog's day effect where everything's just set back to how it was or are you really talking about undoing the harm which is more like when you get infected with the virus and you're faced with the choice of restoring to a backup like a week ago versus trying to root out the the damage done by the virus now and saving all the stuff that you've generated oh i think that's a really great 
analogy and it's it's funny and I'm laughing because I, I was just thinking about how Elliot in this episode veered from one extreme to another, from extreme hubris and, you know, I had the power to completely destroy the world. I'm the only one who can set it right. So it's this sort of, he's like a knight on a sh in shining armor on his horse or uh, feelings of desperation and loneliness. And it's interesting to see him in the context of that as he goes back to work at Evil Core, or not even back to work, he goes to work for Evil Core in their cybersecurity unit. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, right? So with Elliot, we're seeing him kind of do something that we've seen him do before, which is play the corporate game, try to use it for his own ends, um, you know, take the meds. Uh, tow the company line. Uh, we've seen him try to do this in season one and it hasn't really worked out for him. I agree. And you know, I was reading an online review of this episode and someone compared the scenes that we see of Elliot going through the ritual of putting on his trunk club shirt and popping Zoloft and heading into the office and how that was sort of a day in day out uh, sort of flattening of his life experience and all those, those emojis all around him on the subway and following him around, I thought really indicative of that. And there were a lot of comparisons of that scene to, I guess, a, tr a scene in train spotting, which I haven't seen in a while. But the reviewer pointed out it all ended up inevitably leading to uh, problems and trouble for the main character in both cases. So you're probably right about that. Oh, it also makes me think about what's the point of all these technologies or services like the trunk club that are geared towards saving you time when what is that extra time being taken by like work mind-numbing corporate work? Like, uh, what is it that you're ultimately using that time for? And with Elliot, it seems like he's using that time to kind of uh, lead two lives, maybe. In Silicon Valley, there are a lot of these services set up. So, you know, you have your on-demand laundry, you have your on-demand cookie delivery service, you have your on-demand beer service. When I saw Trunk Club, I saw it as Elliot's attempt to conform, but also, like you're saying, make room for all these other activities, you know, what is he making the space for? Yeah, I think you see a really strong FOMO effect um, where people are just afraid of missing out. And especially when you tie that to aspirational marketing, where a lot of these services are really kind of presented as a way for you to get a happy life or to be more successful at work or, uh, you know, they're, they're pitched not just as a service to do the thing, but it's pitched as a way to increase the overall quality of your life. And so if you hear about a new service, you're afraid of missing out. You're afraid that people are living a better life than you are. Um, and you need to be part of that service in order to not miss out. Yes. And there were a couple things around the time he we see at Evil Corp, which I think are probably some of my favorite scenes in the episode. First of all, the way Elliot is still skulking in the elevator, he just looks so dour and dismal, especially in contrast to when he's being more uh, proactive and talkative this season. And I love all of the ways that they depicted the characters of a big corporation. So Linda, the HR lady, was perfectly cast. And the IT guys were perfectly cast. And so were the executive archetypes where Elliot basically tried to take them down one by one to sort of enact his undoing of the 5-9 hack. Well, don't they say that President Trump often makes hiring decisions influenced by appearances, like whether or not someone looks the part, quote unquote? So in like a big organization like Evil Core, not 
unbelievable that some people at the top could also hold the same view and promote accordingly. Yeah, I thought it was really amazing that, first of all, Elliot seems to be delusional that, you know, maybe Evil Corp is a necessary evil. Now, there are all these theories about what Evil Corp is that I actually buy into that might be super spoilery, uh, but I definitely thought seeing him deliver those PowerPoint presentations, it was so deadpan, but the way he hacked each of the supervisors, the Goo Goo Dolls guy, and then the Soul Cycle guy, one, he just uh, shoulder surfed is the phrase, right? He just looked over the guy's shoulder to look up his password and then find exploits in their characters, which weren't very hard to find. And you could really transpose a lot of these actions onto like an earlier era and imagine someone rising through the court or through the church in a similar way or someone young, ambitious, and uh, with a larger aim in mind might use information to compromise superiors to rise quickly through the ranks, right? Yeah, well, that reminds me of one of my favorite musicals of all time. It's called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And it, it, the show, the musical uh, is exactly about that. Somebody who starts off in the mailroom and he buys the self-help book on how to succeed in business. And it's really funny. It's, it's sort of Mad Men-esque. Uh, and that's what I was thinking of when you just said that. So Elliot's evidently armed with a guidebook that says, you know, discover passwords, read all emails, <laughs> discover various shenanigans, and report it to the FBI. Uh, who, you know, seem to spend a lot of time in Evil Corp without actually identifying that creepy looking guy skulking in the elevator as maybe someone that should keep an eye on, right? I know, that was so funny. And I love the FBI lady, the woman they cast as the FBI officer who was, just had this disgusted look on her face, like, you again? Like, why am I coming here? And I thought that was great. And I also thought that when Elliot was mucking up the gears, like with the delivery guys, where he was basically... Uh, having things sent to the same warehouse they were housed in. And and uh, the two delivery guys were saying, well, I just follow what's on the papers, what the paper says. And to me, that had larger implications about how we're increasingly driven by algorithms, right? And by machines, our decisions. Yeah, I think the whole sequence was pretty symbolic when you think about what's actually being done, like paper pushing, like literally on a gigantic scale involving you know airplanes doing deliveries right and you so you have paper pushing you have powerpoints you have people just doing what the system tells them to that's all these components of what elliot rails against as this very synthetic modern society yeah yeah and he he seems to think that evil court was somehow a necessary necessary evil, which is so different than how he felt before. And what do you think about that? Yeah, so I was thinking about this when, you know, paired with the concept of undoing something where someone says like, oh, I wish we could undo this kind of bad decision that we made. And when you think about how that's done in history, where people try to undo things, it's a question of, well, do you, then do you create power vacuums? Do you completely eliminate institutions and structures that you've identified as bad or culpable and what you wish to avoid? And do you try to just eliminate them entirely from society or do you try to reform them? Because it's going to create a power vacuum. Oh, so completely. And we're seeing that right now in our own world, in our own sphere of influence as a country that is sort of teetering with 
some might say an incredibly unstable administration. We're losing our stronghold in, in the world in certain ways. And the scenario that's being presented here around e-coin versus Bitcoin, that's really not that far off from what is potentially even happening now or underway to happening with the dollar being devalued, for example. Yeah, I think you're kind of seeing a lot of systems in flux or in a period of instability, whether it's weather, climate systems, uh, financial, economic systems, currency systems, political systems. There's just a lot of things currently, I think, in flux. Yeah, and I don't mean to jump ahead too far in the story where it seems that Minister Zhang is hung up on having the UN approve the annexation of the Congo. You know, that also mirrors a lot of what's happening in real life with the shifting of superpowers. I was just listening to a report on how China is investing heavily in Greece, in the country of Greece, in terms of traditional industry. Now, that's not necessarily an annexation, but that is a really historically unprecedented alliance. Well, I think China needs to uh, put capital to work, and it's looking for growth opportunities and where it can identify people who are maybe distressed of capital from traditionally Western sources, um, like Western banks, and you can actually use it to build ties and relationships, then so much the better. I think you're seeing China use this strategy also in Africa, um, uh, infrastructure projects that they're trying to deploy in Europe and elsewhere. It's a for, it's like the, I guess it's like an economic Marshall plan deploying capital and infrastructure. That's why a lot of people said the U.S removing itself from the Trans-Pacific Partnership might have been a mistake that we may or may not come to regret. What did you think about the scenes between Elliot and Christos once he was over his hubris? No amount of Zoloft is going to take the edge away from his incredible loneliness. And he said to Krista, I miss being a part of something larger. What did you think about all that? It's like this emptiness, right? Like if you think about it in terms of cycles, to me, Elliot getting to the point of feeling empty after kind of spinning his wheels for a bit, like, you know, doing things that kind of make him feel like he's achieving progress, but ultimately he kind of burns out of, and then he starts feeling empty. It's kind of what many people go through, I think, in modern life, uh, where you feel like you try really hard to get somewhere and then you just kind of feel empty about what you're doing. Yes. And, you know, in this scene with Krista, one thing that really struck me was you could hear the sound of a ticking clock really loudly. Also riddled throughout the episode were fire references. And uh, ever since the red wheelbarrow sort of came into prominence, we're seeing a lot of fire. When Krista was with Elliot, we started to see how he was blanking out. He thought he told her about being pushed out of the window by his father. She said she never heard of that. I seem to think he did tell her. Do you seem to remember? No, uh, I thought he had told her also, but then I started doing some poking around on the internet. Um, and couldn't find actually any verification that he had. So if anyone out there actually has proof, please uh, let us know. I'm curious. Uh, but I think absent that proof, we have to look at it as Elliot getting his realities confused. Yeah, some people were postulating was Krista, uh, is Krista a glitch? Is she encountering him in a different sort of state herself? So are these shifting presences 
not only impacting Elliot, are they impacting other people around him? So uh, one person asked if Krista was uh, working with the FBI now. It, it just seemed really suspicious to me that there was like a disconnect, such a huge disconnect. So maybe it's a different timeline. Mm -hmm. um, and that might explain the inconsistencies. I was also trying to find a way to explain all the 90s music that was in the episode. And it, Mr. Robot, I think in the prior podcast for the previous episode, we talked about how that episode made it seem very firmly rooted in 2015, 2016, right? With Obama on television, et cetera. But this episode with the music choice and even the setting, it could very much be in the 90s. It's all 90s all the time. And you know, when they started off the show with New Sensation, you know, I saw In Excess in concert a few weeks before Michael Hutchins died. Oh, wow. Every time I hear that song, I, I think of that last concert. It is sort of all 90s all the time on Mr. Robot. And there is a lot of 90s nostalgia happening right now in popular culture, although I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if that's somehow related to the possible time travel or temporal anomaly that may or may not be uh, alluded like happening on the show mm -hmm. I'm not sure you know like yeah i'm trying to look at it from the perspective of like the 90s and thinking would anything that happened in the show be disqualified by it being set in the 90s well i do know that there was a commercial that played while joanna was either in the car uh, or after her TV appearance, which, oh, Joanna Wellick, she sure, she sure sacrificed a lot for her true love. But there was a commercial playing in the background that said, in times of chaos and uncertainty, we may get knocked down, but we'll never get knocked out. And what that made me think of was Home Alone 2 featured that song, I get knocked down, but I get up again. So I feel like there's just all this mirroring with different scenes from 90s or early 2000s shows that are woven into the story a lot. Yeah, and you know, that song, I Get Knocked Down and Get Up Again, I think Tub Thumping is like the official name by Chumbawamba. They were a group of anarchists, right? They are anarchists, absolutely. Tub Thumping, it was definitely made with the idea of being sort of a, a working people's kind of anthem. So, Probably another way in which the show's alluding to some sort of anarchy, a reset, um, you know, a return to how things used to be or ought to be, right? That's often mixed in this concept of undo is whether you're actually trying to revert things or reverse things or whether you're trying to make things how you think they ought to be. Yeah. And then Darlene, we have a little bit more insight into Darlene. She's she's more of an informant, which we sort of guess, but she's definitely not doing it of her own volition. She seems really troubled. She seems troubled that Elliot is cutting her off. We discover Elliot is cutting Darlene off in part because he doesn't want Mr. Robot to reappear. And Darlene is confronted with that F Society video and Darlene says, oh, it's not us. Who who do you think made the F Society video if it wasn't them? Mm, not sure. I was thinking about that when I was watching the movie, uh, watching the, the episode. Didn't really come across anyone specific. Um, Do you have any ideas? No, the only thing I thought is whoever was playing the F Society person seemed way more animated and 
uh, gestural than it, they used to be in the old days. So maybe it was, maybe it was Elliot uh, who made it. We we just really don't know. But Darlene is just in a really tough spot, but she managed to drop some good spying on Elliot's computer, but she wasn't that good to fool him. Yeah, um, interesting look at the technology where if you observe what's happening, it looks like she installed some sort of hardware device uh, to monitor uh, what's on his screen and transmit it, which is like a form of a, I guess, in a way, like a Tempest attack. So Tempest was this like a technology um, that I first ran across, I think in the 90s, where you could use the electromagnetic waves coming off of computer equipment to reconstruct what was uh, on the screen, for instance, as well as get other type of signal intelligence uh, to figure out what's going on on the screen. Um, and this type of information can be useful, for instance, in guessing passwords or otherwise compromising the security of a system. Uh, so they used to have like Tempest shielded rooms and DOD specifications that talked about how you were supposed to shield a room to make it secure against uh, Tempest intrusion. Uh, so the technology here is kind of, a, I guess, a weaponized form of that technology where you're installing it on a device to then transmit what's on the screen to another computer. There's this writer who talks about cybersecurity a lot. Her name is Maria Varmazis, and she writes for a blog called nakedsecurity.sophos.com, and she does a rundown every week of all the tech components of Mr. Robot. She mentions that when Elliot is suspicious of Darlene after she leaves his apartment, he boots up Kali Linux which is a forensics and penetration testing software funded by Offensive Security Limit. He runs a tool called Rootkit Hunter that is meant to scan for files that may be dropped onto the computer. And that's when he realizes that there weren't any software files that were necessarily dropped there. Nonetheless, there's a Python script running that is somehow spitting out PNG files or screenshots to the FBI for their full view. And the Tempest that you're describing is very similar to what Maria Varmazis is theorizing was used on Elliot something called a monitor darkly, which is basically a way of taking screenshots of what's happening on a monitor. That's a, an exploit that was found at DEFCON and presented at DEFCON 24. So real world hacking going on there. Elliot, it does the smartest thing is he sends a file that is supposedly to Terrell that he is completely creating this honeypot for the FBI to click on. And don't you know it, they do it. And it was sort of Elliot's way to say, I'm ahead of you. What did you think of that? I thought the FBI showed tremendous uh, stupidity in downloading that file <laughs> and running it, right? Like you're only uh, dealing with someone that you know is an expert. If you're going to download anything, you would probably want to install it in some sort of contained sandbox and be able to figure out what it's actually going to do before you let it run loose. Yeah, totally. And of course, you know, some really intense things happened like Joanna just she 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 was a little too uh overconfident with her ability to manipulate her ex-lover and she was also overconfident because she had her driver who was who's an amazing protector, but no one anticipated her her ex-lover would have a gun on him and well, goodbye Joanna. Yeah, I, I I was shocked. Like it felt like a Game of Thrones sort of moment where 
someone dies unexpectedly but then afterwards it felt a little bit forced to me like i didn't really make sense why she would die in this particular way and why as a writer you would want to use her death in this particular way the only reason i can think of is because you wanted to stage a really incredibly gory autopsy scene while the fbi is having a debate in the room that was so disgusting i actually had to rewind and not that I wanted to see the gore, but I just, I've never seen a person's skull sawed off for an autopsy. That was really gross. Yeah, that's just, um, I'm not a a medical, I'm not someone who watches those surgery shows, for instance. Uh, So yeah, not not a fan of that kind of realism. So we did already talk about Minister Zhang and Philip Price. And Zhang, he doesn't care whether the UN resolution goes his way or not. He wants to implement stage two. His assistant is like, dude, what is wrong with you? If we get everything you want, why are you so vengeful? The two of them are involved in this huge battle. I don't know. Do you have a sense who's going to win? Uh, I would put my money on White Rose just because it looks like he's a step ahead and he's got a lot more resources at his disposal than it looks like uh, even the chairman of Evil Corp might have. Um, But I thought that it was a great line where he said, you know, don't mistake my generosity (laughs) for generosity. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. um, When somebody tells you who they are, believe them, I suppose. I thought that was a really great line too. And, you know, some people have theorized that Minister Zhang and White Rose are two instances, you know, as we would use that in video game terminology, they're two instances of the same person, but they're not the same person. Yeah. Or if you go down the time travel path, they could actually be two separate people just from different timelines per se. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene between Mr. Robot and Krista was super menacing and creepy. Well, finally, we get to see what it's like for people interacting with Elliot as Mr. Robot. This was always a little bit of a question. We never really shot, saw it shot before in this way. But the way in which the last this episode and last episode reveal it, we see how exactly creepy it is. Yeah, Elliot gets Flipper back now that the owner has done nothing to take care of that poor little dog oh animal cruelty that's another thing i really can't abide by oh immediately made me think of a trojan horse (laughs) i was thinking wow uh kind of you know elliot taking in strays both with the dog as well as his sister letting them into his house and Let's see if the dog poses to be as big of a security threat as his sister. There is something to that for sure. And it's funny how this guy hates Elliot, hates everything Elliot represents. He says, how is it that you're doing so well and everyone else is suffering? Because we've seen hints of how society is going downhill. People are trading sex for for cryptocurrency. There's an area where you can burn your own trash, which... Having lived in New York City isn't too far from reality. And then at the end, we see Elliot is hunting around Darlene's apartment with the FBI and their safe house upstairs. It looks like it's in Queens, too, by the way. Yeah, and I wonder where the episode's going to go from there, because I think that's probably going to be the starting point for episode three, right? So are the FBI going to go downstairs? Are they going to just watch and observe? What's Elliot going to do there? Is he going to plant something on... Darlene's computer to monitor her 
what's what's going to go on. Good point. Margaret, are you ready to play this week's Which Would You Choose? I am. So cloud or local backups? Oh, oh. Okay, the the correct answer should be local, but I'm going to go with cloud because it's just so convenient. Yeah, it is, right? And that's that's the thing is that you can just uh, kind of forget about it and just be uh, rest assured that all your data is there. I was thinking about how different an experience it is to change laptops when you have Dropbox, Google Drive, and all these cloud services versus before these cloud services when you migrate laptops and involved a lot of backing up, restoring hard drives, and things like this. But of course, we know local backup is really the only way to maintain privacy. I was just on a panel with some folks who work for a big company where a lot of us store our files in the cloud and they have a really robust artificial intelligence group that uses machine learning so that you can easily search for and scan photographs, facial recognition. And while that's incredibly useful, it has incredible implications around privacy. Sure. You could say, uh, get, you could ostensibly ask the AI, get me all the movies that this user has stored that have breasts in them for mm-hmm. instance, right? Like you could all, you could basically have big brother, um, a real literal big brother that's an artificial intelligence and i think that's something that people don't think enough of is that big brother isn't necessarily going to be this campy 20th century version of some sinister spy agency it could very well be an ai that works behind the scenes to modify and mold your behavior without you even necessarily being aware Yeah, because on the panel I was on about machine learning yesterday, one of the important topics we discussed was how machine learning we know is a type of artificial intelligence where you don't need human intervention for the system to respond to or adapt or improve uh, interactions with the user. And one thing that was emphasized was the importance of uh, inclusionary data sets so if you're already starting off with, with data that has inherent biases built into it or perspectives, that's, that's going to even further curtail um, how that information is used and uh, potentially abused. Yeah, just think about training an AI to judge whether someone's attractive or not. If you feed it training data filled with blonde, blue-eyed women as attractive, it's going to not find women who, uh, from Africa, for instance, as attractive in a data set, right? And so it has all sorts of implications for not only like uh, you know facial recognition, but also for how people are treated based on algorithmic scores. Yes. Okay. So I have a, what would you choose? Are you ready? Sure. This is based on the show, Darlene or Angela. What am I choosing between? Which one do you think will have the most impact this season? Hmm. I think Darlene will be a, a pivotal plot point just because her jeopardy and her relationship to Elliot is such a strong lever where you have like a sister brother relationship that's seen as very important and the sister is in jeopardy by this big monolithic agency that's not going to go away. I think that provides a very strong lever or hook that's going to be useful for the entire season. But I think Angela represents a lot of 
where the show will go because she represents the unknown, you know, both in terms of what her plans are, what her plans are with Mr. Robot and what people's plans are for her. That's all very much unknown. Yeah, I, I sort of concur with you. I'll play devil's advocate and I will choose Darlene because even though everyone really talks up Elliot's hacking abilities, Darlene seems to match him pretty readily on a lot of fronts. She's no slouch. And so I think she has the potential to be ruthless and dangerous. And, and she is incredibly loyal to Elliot, I think, till till her dying day. But but we'll see. So maybe we should think of Darlene in that situation with the FBI more like how we would view Elliot in that situation with the FBI of what sort of larger scheme does he have going on where he's going to trick everyone in the end. Mm-hmm. And I know there was another segment that we have been doing. It's, I think we have two more segments, the one word and predictions. Yeah. Uh, the w- one word for the episode, not truly a word, but it's control Z and that's the shortcut or command Z on the Mac. That's a shortcut that's, uh, allows you to undo. And if this is not a keyboard shortcut that, you know, you should learn this. Like you should not be clicking on the menu with your mouse and hitting the button undo. You should know this keyboard command. This is a very useful keyboard command. Not knowing this keyboard command makes you look really stupid. So learn it. (laughs) Okay. And I think for my word for this episode, it has to be fire because I saw so many references to fire, things on things flaming, dumpster fires. Over and over again, I saw the fire imagery and even the red wheelbarrow. That does not look like a pleasant place to eat. It's all red and and it looks hot. It looks like a hot summer day to me. So the heat is on, Henry. <laughs> the heat is on. That's that's a that's maybe a phrase from a decade earlier than in that. <laughs> It's still retro. So predictions. Do you have predictions? Hmm. Predictions. I predict that in the next episode, we'll see White Rose because Mm -hmm. it's been a few episodes since we've seen White Rose. That's my prediction. I predict Elliot and Dom. I'm shipping that. Wow. All right. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of the circumstance in which that pairing would happen. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. (laughs) Well, you know me. I always try to find those connections. I mean, if crazy is the new sexy, I mean, Elliot's got it a million times over. True, true. (laughs) If we are being set up to see Elliot as a sex sex god, yes. (laughs) Well, I really have been enjoying the season and we have an email address set up called the Hello Friend Podcast at gmail.com. We had a listener named Mike. He wanted to know how to spread the word on the podcast. Just to answer Mike's uh, question about how to support us if you're not on iTunes, share uh, the word about us on the podcast platform of your choice or give us a shout out on social media. I'm available at uh, at SF Mocha, Margaret what's your twitter handle it's margaret wallace if you want to help us spread the word if you like it you can give us a shout out on whatever platform you're listening on try to tag us if you can find us and we're also on twitter all right thanks thank you and thanks henry i look forward to talking more about mr robot with you yep see you uh, next week all right take care bye bye in 11 days you'll have what you want UN vote to annex the Congo, it's as good as yours, but this currency war must end. 
The rest of the world needs China to embrace e-coin now. We're at risk of other countries pulling out. Let me put this as simply as I can, so that we never have to belabor this point again. Your success will always follow mine. I don't give a fuck about your record. Until I get my UN vote, don't waste my time. Or maybe in 11 days, the administration changes its mind about your precious UN vote. I worked so hard to procure for you. <laughs>